If your prayers ever begin to sound like you're asking for your three wishes to be granted, you might be doing it wrong. The hardest thing to hear sometimes is when God says no. Have you ever had a time in your life where you agonize? Are you really going to follow through with the will of God? The question is, how do you cope? Will you do it your way or trust God's plan? True Christianity reveals itself in the fact that you and I are willing to obey God's will for our lives no matter the cost. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. The prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he would be crucified, is one of the most revealing moments into his and God's character. This week, Charles Tapp continues with the third part in this series, The Prayers of Jesus, A Window into the Heart of God, by examining that prayer and how Jesus dealt with his requests being denied and what it means for us today. In his message, The Mystery of the Cup. Although this series that we've been dealing with for the past few weeks is about prayer, I'm sure you've already discovered that it doesn't really focus on prayer, or at least not in the context that many of us view prayer. For we haven't been focusing on the power of prayer, nor have we been focusing on the purpose of prayer, but, but we've been focusing and drawing our attention into the insights that we have gained from the prayers that Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father. To put it plainly, we're focusing our attention on the insights that, that we can gain from hearing God talk to God. I know that just went, think about it. This is God, Jesus, having a conversation with God the Father. So it would behoove us to, to focus in on this as it transcends prayer and it gives us an open window into the very heart of God. And one of the insights that I've come away with, which appears to be a common thread throughout all of Jesus' prayers that he prayed is that more than anything, what pleases God the most is my willingness and your willingness to place our supreme confidence and faith in God, knowing that his will is always best for us and for Jesus, it was his greatest desire to carry out his father's will in his life. In the Gospel of John chapter 4, we read about the story of Jesus having this conversation with a woman at the well. They talked about everything from worship to her improper, improper personal relationships. And by the time they finished the conversation, she walked away saying, come see a man. 
But then his disciples returned from having gotten food because they were hungry and they asked Jesus, are you hungry, Jesus? Don't you know, don't you want some food? And do you remember how Jesus responded to them? In this way, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, Jesus was saying, just as food, physical food, satisfies the hunger of a hungry individual, for Jesus, doing the will of God, doing his Father's will, satisfied his soul. It was the one thing that brought Jesus the greatest satisfaction in his life. What brings you the greatest satisfaction in your life? What brings me the greatest satisfaction in my life? Is it doing God's will? Listen, when you and I carry out the will of God, that which we know to be the will of God, there should be a deep sense of satisfaction that takes over our souls. And the opposite should also be true. When you and I are going against the will of God, there should be a deep sense of discontentment that will not let us rest. But here's what Jesus understood. And we see it lived out in in how he prayed and what he prayed for. And that is that the living a life that is in complete obedience to God is the best way to bring glory to God. And as I said in part two of this series, as we look into the very window of the heart of God, when it talks about bringing glory to God, the best way to describe it is putting a spotlight not on ourselves, but it puts a spotlight on God. So when you and I love as God loves, when when we forgive as God forgives, when you and I are as gracious as God is toward us, then it shines a spotlight not on us, but it shines a spotlight on the goodness of God. Let's go back to the previous prayer that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in John chapter 12, verses 27 to 28, where Jesus talked about this whole concept of glory. Not only does he tell us what he did to glorify God, he redefines what it means to glorify God altogether. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? In other words, he's approaching now his hour. The time has finally come. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will do what? Glorify it again. Sometimes a casual reading upon these two verses would make one think that the Jesus in this particular prayer is somehow looking for an out, that he's somehow looking for God to, to give him an excuse not to go to the cross, but that's really not what he's saying. In essence, he's saying, I am determined, I am resolute, I have made up my mind 
come what may to follow God's will for my life, even if it means going to the cross. But when you look at this next prayer, it's kind of confusing in the light of the prayer we just read in John 12. For this prayer we focus on today is the prayer of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means oil press, and it has the distinction, by the way, of being the the last recorded prayer of Jesus before he goes to the cross. One author describes what took place in the garden that evening as more than just being a prayer. He describes it as being a wrestling by Jesus with his own soul. You see, although Jesus was in every way God, it is in his agonizing prayer of Gethsemane where we see the humanity of Jesus Christ on full display. And this week as I was preparing for today, I I, I thought about that for a moment and at first it made me feel somewhat uncomfortable with what I read and what Jesus was going through and how he prayed. But then at the same time, Jesus' words and what he went through had a way of comforting me as well. And why is that? Because here more than anywhere else in the gospels, I can relate to this Jesus, amen? I can't relate to the Jesus who walked on water. Anybody ever walk on water? I mean successfully. Anybody? Anybody ever feed over 5,000 men, women, and children with a few loaves and a couple of fish? Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever raise anybody from the dead? I don't mean dead sleep. I mean dead, dead. See, I can't relate to that kind of Jesus. But I can relate to this one who is wrestling with his soul as to how he should keep his life in alignment with God's will at whatever the cost. Have you ever struggled in your life when it came to doing the will of God? I don't mean to discovering the will of God. Have you ever had a time in your life where you agonize, are you really going to follow through with the will of God? You see, we all want to do God's will when it, when it brings us into the spotlight and, and it brings the attention upon us and people applaud us. But sometimes doing the will of God will cost you. Does anybody know that? Sometimes keeping God's will for your life means you will lose something or somebody. You may lose your job being faithful to God's will. You may lose a scholarship, young person, to go to a certain school to study a certain discipline because in order to do so, you've got to step outside of the will of God. And yes, even, even keeping God's will at times may cause us to lose our own lives. Matthew chapter 26, 36 to verse 41. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. 
we see the humanity in Jesus here. For he recognized he needed humanity to be with him. I refer to this as the ministry of presence. Do you not recognize that sometimes when people are going through things, they don't need to hear your prayers? They don't need to hear you say, well, it's going to be all right. Just trust in Jesus. Sometimes all they need from you is your presence to sit right down with them. Jesus needed that. How do we know? He asked his disciples to go with him because his soul was troubled. Let's go on, verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be what? Sorrowful and deeply distressed. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Verse 39, He went a little farther and he fell on his face. Have you ever fallen on your face in prayer? If you haven't, before long you will. He prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this what? Cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as what? I will, but as you will. Verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and he found them what? Sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, Jesus says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, for the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me be clear on this point today. That is that this for Jesus was indeed a struggle Because just as you and I possess free will, Jesus possessed free will. This was not a guarantee that Christ would go to the cross. Yes, the plan of salvation was put in place before the foundation of the world, Scripture tells us. But Jesus had to make a choice whether he was going to be in alignment with that plan and with his Father's will. So he said to his Father, listen, if there's any way that this cup and by cup, It represented God's judgment upon his people. If there's any way we can go through with your divine plan and avoid the cup, meaning that I'll have to die, please let it be so. By the way, this is the same cup that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 20 where he talked about the imminent death that was upon him where he challenged the sons of Zebedee when they came with their mother asking if if when Jesus came into his kingdom could one of her sons be on the left of Jesus and the other on the right of Jesus and you remember how Jesus responded to them he says you can't drink of the cup that I'm about to drink of here's my translation of that you don't have a clue what you're asking for Have anybody ever come to you and told you, I can do your job better than you? Oh, yeah. We are very critical of our leaders. You know, anybody can do that. But put them in that position and see how they perform. Jesus says, you asking for authority, you're asking for position, but you have no idea of the cup that I'm about to drink. And the cup 
simply referred to the cup of God's will for his son. The cup that if Jesus drank it would be the salvation for all humanity. And as we listen to the words that Jesus prays to his father, it is clear that just because you have an understanding of what God's will is, and just because you and I may be willing to carry that will out, doesn't mean that the carrying out of that will is not gonna be a struggle, that it's not gonna be a battle, that it's not gonna be a fight. For there are times in our lives when you and I've got to make a decision whether to follow through with God's will for our lives and there's nobody that can help us. We're going to have our own private Gethsemane experience where it's just you and God. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Mystery of the Cup. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else and so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged to get more encouraging content go to wgts919.com this is simple truths for life and this week charles tapp examines the prayer of jesus in the garden of gethsemane and what it reveals about him and God's character, and what it means for us today, as he concludes his message, The Mystery of the Cup. You've got to decide, and I've got to decide once and for all, am I willing to drink the cup, the plan that God has for my life? And again, it is here in Gethsemane where we see Jesus' humanity on full display. First of all, he needed the support of his brothers. He needed human flesh to be there. Secondly, he expresses in no uncertain terms the weight and the impact that this cup and this responsibility is having on him. I love the language that he uses here. He says, exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Have you ever had something in your life that weighed so heavily upon you that you felt like you were about to die? And thirdly, Jesus is looking for the option of an alternate ending. You know what I mean by alternate ending, don't you? You ever watch a film, a DVD, a movie, and they have what they call the director's cut where you can choose the ending that you want? Anybody? Jesus was looking for an alternate ending. In other words, he was saying... I don't know if we really understand that. We, we think that something was wrong with that. No, that was Jesus' humanity coming through. 
Listen, you don't want to go through the things you go through most times. What made you think Jesus wanted it? He was said to his father, Father, I want to do your will. I want to save humanity, but can we do it another way? Is there a way we can accomplish this without me having to drink this cup? And to know and recognize just how difficult this was for Jesus, if you read the rest of, of chapter 46, uh, 26 in Matthew, Jesus prayed this prayer not once, not twice. He prayed it three times. Lord, if there's any way possible. And in Jewish thought, when you prayed a prayer three times, in essence, it revealed the magnitude and it highlighted the intensity and the power, not of the prayer, but the one who was praying the prayer. And each time Jesus asked this, it becomes more resolute. He first began by saying, if it is possible, let this cup pass, not as I will, but as you will. Then the second and third time he said, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, then let me drink it. Not my will, but your will. Please don't miss this. As Jesus successfully endured three temptations at the beginning of his ministry, you remember in the wilderness where the enemy tempted him three times? Now, as he prepares for his final phase of ministry, he prays not once, not twice, but three times, not really to escape it, but to buoy himself up for what he was about to endure. And as a result of his prayer, Jesus makes it clear once and for all that he is willing to submit to his Father's will no matter the cost. Look at this statement from one of my favorite theologians, John Walford. He says, this attitude, talking about the attitude that Jesus had, of complete submission and complete trust, he says, is of course what? The key to working out our own salvation, how? In fear and trembling, and please don't miss this last part, and is the mark of a what? Truly spiritual Christian. I hope you understand what he's saying. True Christianity reveals itself in the fact that you and I are willing to obey God's will for our lives no matter the cost. That's the sign of what it means to be a true Christian, someone who is completely submitting themselves and completely trusting in God's will, not in their own will, but in the will of God. There's sometimes we know where the cup of God's will leads us. And other times, yes, it's a mystery. But as Christians, that's who we are, followers of Christ. We must be willing to follow his example in carrying out our Father's will no matter what the cost. And by making the decision to carry out God's will no matter the cost, please don't miss this. The salvation that our first parents lost in the Garden of Eden was now regained, recaptured in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because Jesus was determined to follow the will of his Father no matter what. But there's one aspect of this prayer, this, this cup, 
that I want to bring to our attention. And that is that it is a cup of the mystery of unanswered prayer. Listen, there are times when you and I pray for the cup to pass from us. But there are times in God's infinite wisdom, he says no. How many of you like to be told no? No. When our kids were small, man, I don't know if it's our kids. Maybe you had the same problem. One of the first words they learned is no. Eat your no. Time to take out no. No, and some of us still have not stopped saying no. But here's the thing. God in Jesus prayed to his father who is God and God said no to himself. Jesus says, can we do this another way? Father said what? No. And how does Jesus respond? I love how the writer of the Hebrews frames this in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Look at how he frames this. He says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, in, in other words, anything that's going to keep you from doing God's will, and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is what? Set before us. Now look at verse 2. You're going to see it in a completely different context now. Looking unto Jesus, please don't miss this. How am I to endure this? The writer to the Hebrew says, look to what Jesus did. Look at his example. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the what? Finisher of our faith, which was sealed in the garden, who for the joy, that's not a misprint, who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross. What was so joyous about this? Do you see any joy in Jesus' prayer? All I see is agony. All I see is distress. All I see is pain. But the writer to the Hebrews says, for the joy that was before him, he endured it. What's the joy? I shared with you several years ago a definition of joy from the author Kay Warren. She is the wife to Rick Warren who wrote the book Purpose Driven Life. And in the context of having had a son that took his whole life, this is how she now defines joy. She says, joy is the settled assurance, listen, that God is in control, what? Of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately, how much? Everything is going to what? Be all right, and the determined choice to do what? Praise God in how many things? All things. That's the joy. Jesus had the settled assurance that if he just followed his Father's will, that everything would be all right because ultimately he acknowledged and recognized that God was in control of his life. The greatest Thing that you and I can have in our lives is the will of God that is being carried out by us. 
It is more fabulous than any will that we can manufacture on our own. But Jesus had the assurance, even though he couldn't see it, that if he went to the cross, he could have the joy in knowing that ultimately God is in control of his life. How many of you have that joy today? So when God says, no, I have to experience joy. And sometimes the no is a dream that we've been holding on to all of our lives. We thought we were made for this, born for this, and God says, I'm sorry, no. But you can have the joy knowing that God knows what's best. God is in control. You believe that today? I mean, do you really believe that God's in control? You see, it's only when we submit that we acknowledge God is in full control. So I challenge us today to follow Christ's example of doing his Father's will, no matter the cost. Because in doing so, we don't bring the spotlight on us. We shine the spotlight on him. Who says amen to that today? You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Mystery of the Cup. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. And by praying this prayer, Jesus is expressing not only his confidence, but he's also expressing his assurance that the mission that he was given, that the mission that he started, he has now successfully completed. Next week, Charles Tapp concludes this series, The Prayers of Jesus, a window into the heart of God, with the fourth and final message, a prayer for them. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.